What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro Hope Podcast. I'm your host and founder, Panda Jai. Today, we are welcomed, we are we are joined, we are blessed with the presence of Sanikiwe Dilaweo, the founder of Naya. Y'all, she has been blowing up fucking social, calling people out, setting the record straight, and I'm so excited to have her on today to talk all things about the Black body, fetishization of Black bodies, the beauty, the fear, all of that that is upholding systemic racism. So, Saniki Way, welcome. Thank you, Penda. So, I have known Penda for, what, three years now? Um, yeah. Maybe four? And I... <laughs> Love you so much, and I'm so honored to be a guest on this podcast and be part of this movement that you are creating, so thank you for that. Um, as Penda mentioned, my name is Sinikiwe Dilaweo, and I am the founder of a company called Naya, and Naya exists because I want to recenter the narrative of wellness to include Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And I started this company because I so often was working in spaces like yoga studios where I existed as the minority and mostly felt uncomfortable for being myself. Um, And I realized that it's kind of fucked up that that was a thing just simply because yoga stems from lineages that are African and and Indian in their roots. And similarly with meditation, um, that's another practice that I teach. Um, Those roots are also stem from cultures that aren't white. So I thought it was kind of an... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I thought it was also an just problematic, honestly, that we aren't able to exist in these spaces comfortably, and I wanted to do everything in my power to change it. Yes, I love that. And you certainly are, because I think a lot of us can relate to these experiences, but few of us have the gumption (laughs) to go and call the folks out. So we appreciate you because I think being seen and being visible is such a part of our oppression. And I find myself like shrinking myself a lot of times around white people. And I really have to evaluate myself because I'm like, wow, in front of my peers, in front of my black friends and lovers, and in the ways that I show up in my black community is so opposite of how I show up in white spaces. So I really had to think, okay, how can you change your mindset? Because it's not, is it them or is it you around them? And I think that that's, that's the work that I was like, this is what I need to point out because white people are always going to exist in this world, right? Amen. They're always going to be here. So how do we as black people change our, how we have been, you know, indoctrined to think about our, our place and our positioning around white people? And I think, like you said, to your point, that is something that is very constant in wellness spaces of going into yoga class, going into spin class. A, first of all, the price point, how can like a lot of us can't even afford a $40 spin class? Um, so it's in those ways. And then I think it honestly separates a lot of it. It works as this kind of classist way of separating black people of, you know, you're an elite or you're a better black person if you can afford these fancy workout classes and, you know, not so much if you're like at Planet Fitness, right? Like those kind of things start to exist and to to divide us. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I wanted to kind of start off with one of your most recent posts on social media, calling out the wellness industry and saying how, you know, a lot of these brands will photograph black bodies. They'll use it as kind of a marker on the grid just to show like, hey, we, you know, we kind of get down, we're woke or whatever. But then they don't, they don't employ black people. They don't have them teachers. They, you know, they're poorly treated in the space. Like, I just wanted to know, first of all, like, why were you inclined to, to make that post? Like, did you just, (laughs) did you wake up one night and you're like, nah, (laughs) I'm calling these bitches out today. (laughs) Um, I think for me, it just stemmed from, I mean, you're, you, the way that you spoke about 
wanting to show up as yourself fully, um, that is something that Real talk, I've fucking grappled with that for 10 years working in the photography and media industry and essentially being told that I am only good enough to be a model in a magazine, right? Or let me phrase that a different way. So my value that I bring to the table is my purchasing power. My value isn't the fact that I got a college degree and I've studied this material for years um, and I know what I'm talking about. So a lot of my frustration really kind of built up around there. Um, Mm. And then regarding that specific post, I, I mean, I think it's something that I've been ruminating on for a while and especially given the heated climate that we're in right now with a lot of white people kind of waking up to the realities that have existed for us as black people our entire lives. Um, And part of that waking up is now trying to scramble and include as many visuals or as many black squares on their Instagram feeds (laughs) as possible. They scrambling. (laughs) (laughs) They in the inboxes. (laughs) they're out here in the inboxes um and just seeing that and knowing that it you know seemingly it's trendy right it's trendy to like talk about black lives matter and to be in the conversation when every day people are showing up to work in a virtual setting and likely are facing microaggressions. So it's like Mm. that graphic that you posted on social media, what does that actually mean when you are treating your employees that work for you every day terribly and not giving them the benefit of the doubt that they have to, on a weekly basis, it seems, see their own people murdered just for living their lives. So all of these things just were kind of, building and building and building and I was like I'm just done like I'm done for what Naya turns two in August which is crazy to me but amazing yes congratulations ahead of time (laughs) thank you I appreciate you but yeah so all of these things were just kind of hit a um a culmination point where I was like you know what I'm just over it like you can't hide behind your black square or your black lives matter hashtag on your social media feed when in reality you are still not hiring us as teachers like a lot of times in yoga studios they have an exchange called a karma yogi where someone will work um for free in exchange for free classes um and oftentimes Those people are black and brown. Like, let's be real. And Mm -hmm. then secondly, like, you are wanting our money. You want us to spend our hard-earned dollars because they are hard-earned on your product or on your wellness company. And yet, if you look at your upper management team, are there any non-white people in your upper management team? So that was two. Um, And then... Three, I think the most frustrating thing about it, um, uh, sorry, I should say the wellness industry is like you kind of spoke to before is like the levels of elitism in it. When I taught um, high school students yoga, all we had were mats. Like we were practicing in a dark basement. There was nothing fancy Mm-mm. and We were still able to do yoga, and that is the part I think that really eats me is that you don't need all of this extra fancy stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. It's uh, it's It's nice. It's it's (laughs) nice, but, like, it's not a necessity. Like, at the end of the day, the root of these practices, aside from the culture that they come from and the traditions that they uphold, are – getting into your body and existing with yourself. Definitely. And I've lived that life. I actually met one of my 
best friends volunteering at a yoga studio that I thoroughly enjoyed the teaching and some of the teachers I met there, I carry with me. I'm, I hope they'll be part of my teaching and practice forever. But um, definitely we were on a volunteer program, cleaning out, you know, white people's hair out of the drain, sweet <laughs> mopping, sweat. We were really out here working just to enjoy the practice and the class. And it's not to say that at this point, we're too good to be doing that or that I don't value the the principles of volunteering and the humble, how it humbled me. Um, but I also just feel like at this time, like, that's not what I'm trying to be doing. Mm-mm. No. And I just don't think that we have to, we, we should have to do that in order to benefit in the same ways as non-Black people in that practice, especially since obviously history hasn't afforded us the same privileges to be able to afford those things. So like there should, we should have access to these programs without having to be in these volunteer or positions that are looked down upon by others. No, I, I completely agree with you. And that is why it is so frustrating to me. Um, Because when I, you know, when I was doing these exchanges, it was because I wasn't being paid enough to afford a $20 yoga class, right? And so instead of just giving me an opportunity to do this practice, um, I was only able to afford the opportunity if I exchanged my labor in exchange for something free, you know? And... I don't know. It just it seems in a lot of ways, it seems unfair since for a lot of black people, um, you know, I mean, let me let me give some stats. Right. So for I think for every I think it's a one dollar that a white man makes a white woman makes 72 cents. I'm pretty sure. And I think a black woman makes 62 cents on the dollar. Mm. My goodness. Please, all y'all write that down so in your next salary negotiations, you have the facts correct because that is, and I just read another article from the Times yesterday that said more than half of Black Americans are unemployed at the moment. More than half. It just don't make no sense. And I feel like you're saying to your point of not wanting to have to do this labor, it's like, um, we have to do labor to receive things on top of the the labor that we're already doing in other areas of our life where we're also being undercompensated. Yes, no, I totally agree. It's like we're doing essentially double the work, right? So for a myriad of reasons that we're all familiar with, we aren't being paid more. We aren't getting opportunities for higher management. Um, We aren't, honestly, we're not even getting the opportunity to be, what's the word? Like we're, I don't know. I, I just, at least for myself and I'll speak for my experience, like I never felt as though people wanted to mentor me and like hone in on my skills in order for me to get to that next level. Any, like, mentorship that I have received in my life is because I've sought it out. Never because anyone was, like, looking at me and they were like, wow, I think Sneaky Way is super talented. Um, and I think that there's an opportunity here for her to be really great. And I want to be that person to help her out. Um, so just in looking at my company and what I'm trying to build like that is something to me that is very very important like I want to make sure that I am cultivating a company where I can nurture people because I I don't want people to work for me forever like I want to be able to hire someone I want to hone their skills so that they can be the best employee or whatever that they want to be and like further their personal goals and then I want to let them go you know and I think that's just lacking right now yeah definitely I understand it's like we even in any job that you love like that's not your north star necessarily right like you're like I'm here I'm gonna absorb 
but a lot of us have higher aspirations but yet it's it feels like the 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 role of a job right is like you said to learn and develop and then do what you want to do with that information but sometimes it feels like that's not the nature of work like work I feel like for me personally living in New York City is like I need this work to survive and like I have so many other things that I actually am really passionate about and I love but those are just not that's like if I on a good day that I have an hour that I can be like okay I can lose this hour of of income really if you're really breaking it down in that way because time is money etc um that I just feel like the way that we have to work for certain things is not because people are wanting to teach us or to provide us with new resources. It's really just like, we know that this is the only way that you can literally survive is by being my, I mean, Kanye says we're new slaves. We don't got to quote Kanye, but basically I would equate it to that. One racism. <laughs> new racism. New yeah. racism. Yes. New racism. Right. <laughs> So it's just unfortunate. But I think in my in my study, like I posted a video today when I was just like my in my practice thinking about, you know, how I say I want to use like sexual pleasure and not even like pleasure is so much broader than just sexual expression, but in our joy and our happiness. And I saw today that someone was like, guess what? Like excellence, your excellence is also a form of resistance. And so in this video, I was talking about how we just have not been afforded the the luxury of feeling good. Like from chattel slavery, our bodies, specifically black women's bodies, where we our reproductive rights were taken away, the weight, like our family units. And there's so much research that even just the way that black slaves, men and women um, interacted during slavery has obviously trickled over into like black male passivity, etc. There are so many things that just have upset our family dynamics and the way that we love and connect with other people. And so I, I believe that being joyful and expressing yourselves and being in touch with your bodies and having the, the ability, the privilege to touch yourself and to feel good and you to have the autonomy to feel good without someone else is, is a political statement is like you are by just merely existing in that goodness you are literally working against <laughs> systems that are, have meant to make us feel sad and alone and down. Um, so I wonder, I guess, for you, like as in your body, because a lot, like you said, your practice started with yoga and meditation. So I wonder, like for you, how does your practice, how do you find joy in your practice? What are some of your some of the ways that you feel euphoric and you find pleasure in, in your everyday Um, that is a great question. Um, I feel like that has been also another, I don't want to say challenge, but that has been an interesting thing for me, especially in this moment where people are just kind of getting hip to me and what I do, even though I've been doing it, you know? Um, and that has been something that just proving my humanity. I feel like so often I'm just trying to prove that I am a human being. The other day I made a video talking about the word resource um, and how when you call a black educator or activist or artist a resource, you are essentially denigrating their ed- their education Um and their expertise into something that could be consumed and commodified by a white person. Because I'm not a resource. Like, I am a person. Mm-hmm. Like, this is right. knowledge that I hold and <laughs> I want to share with you. Like, <laughs> yes. A resource is a video. A resource is an article. A resource is a book. A resource is not a fucking person. And I think that just the fact that I even had to explain it says so much. It's literally like, wow, like y'all don't even see me as like a full human person. Nah, sis. Nah, they don't see you. They see you as what? Three fourths? Three fourths of the person? Is that how much we were worth? That's it. (laughs) Like, I saw that you posted that and I just was like, yo, especially because black people like Amanda Seal said this in her IGTV and like 
say whatever you want to say about this person, but she literally was like, how do black people know more about the Holocaust than we do about our own history? It's because no one taught us that shit. So we know everything we know about ourselves because we had to re-educate ourselves. So for you to think that we going to re-educate ourselves only to, to educate you when you had your history since third grade, you were reading all the books, you had all the texts, you had you knew who your grandparents were and your great grandparents were to tell you how they came to this country, et cetera. Like you have documentation of the immigration, all of this stuff. I'm just like, I don't under, do people literally just, they don't understand how much do they, how much did they learn about black history in school? Because I learned nothing, nada. And I'm still trying to teach myself what I missed. Same. I mean, I will, you know, I'll give a little insight um, on my backstory, I guess you can say. I was born in Zimbabwe and I left there when I was two and a half. And then from there, we went to Canada. And then after that, we went to the UK. Um, So I immigrated to the US when I was seven. So I'm actually a first generation a person from my family to be raised in the U.S., me and my sister. And so in terms of, like, that element of things, like, that was also something that was brand new for my family, right? Because my parents were raised in Africa. So getting then um, to then have daughters who are being raised in this American system and learning the history of America um is weird, is weird in some regard. Um, So that has also been an interesting path for me because it's like, okay, so I have to unlearn the nonsense that I learned about where I was born and also I have to embrace that culture that is very much a part of me, but not a culture that I necessarily grew up in. Um, so it's it's hard and it's really interesting because my mom and I get into conversations a lot about me being American. Um, and the way that I like to say is that I am African with American sensibilities Mm, interesting. Okay. Yes. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know. It's like America is a dumpster fire, y'all. I'm sorry. Like, I can't claim this as my place of origin. Like, I just can't. Like, as much as I love rap music, as lo- much as I am all about the culture, like, my heart is in Africa, and that is where I feel the most at home. Most definitely. I feel because my mom is African-American, Black American, and my dad's Senegalese. And so when I probably in the last year, I just repped Senegalese. I'm like, that is I'm Senegalese. I don't know about the American part because I don't really claim the U.S. Like you said, I really don't claim this place. I'm plotting my long term escape back to the continent and I feel my mom, she took such offense. She was like, no, you need to say that you're Senegalese American. And I was just like, I mean, do I? <laughs> do I really? And she was like, well, you don't speak the language. You don't speak Wolof. You don't speak, um, you don't live there. You don't know how to cook. And I just was like, sis, that sounds like some white people shit got to Right. You. <laughs> that sounds like some internalized oppression exactly i was like um since that's what they want us to think but nah okay so yeah i totally relate to just like we are african with with american sensibilities and and that's about that's about all that i can really give credit to this country for. same sis same oh so you but you didn't really. So what does make you feel good? That's what I want to know. What does what makes Sanikiwe feel good? Sorry, I totally did not even answer that. <laughs> um, I was like, but sis, where's the where's the pleasure? <laughs> true story. I mean, Avi, sex makes me feel good. Avi, but like I'm going on pushing day 90, guys. Pushing day 90 of being by myself in my apartment. Okay. Oh, sis. I know. And it's still too soon to like 
like, I mean, I, well, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm like, how much do I want to divulge here? But no, it's still too soon to risk your life for the dick. Stay safe, people. Stay safe. Stay safe. It ain't, the dick ain't ever that good, though. Um, so that facts, obviously facts. makes me feel good. Um, I also would say, I, I think that more and more as we like are in quarantine, I have been, actually dancing more to get in my body versus practicing yoga. Um, and that has felt really good. I mean, having like a 1 a.m. twerk session, maybe not ideal, but it feels good. <laughs> it is. It is ideal, of course. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's totally like I like Sonikue opened with like we've been friends for years. So I can totally attest to getting like Instagram IGTVs at 1 a.m. Just being like, sis, I know you probably sleeping, but <laughs> just get into this, get into this video. And I was just thinking earlier, I was like, I want to I'm just going to record myself dancing because I miss it. I love it. It feels really good. And I feel like I do it in my daily life. Like midday, I'm just like there's a song that I'm really vibing with. I stand up in my living room. I'm dancing. And I'm like. This is just a whole mood. This is a vibe. And I feel like others should just get into it for sure. That's it. Like, yeah, I, it's been, it's really nice. It's really nice. And it's interesting that you mentioned like videoing yourself. I mean, you are a professional dancer, so you're like on some other shit. But um, for me, I don't know. I feel like I, another practice that I'm trying to cultivate in this moment specifically, especially with a lot of eyeballs on me and my work, is I'm trying to just, like, do things to do them, not because I need to, like, make content for the gram, you know? Word. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true, because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, our authenticity is what sets us apart, sets any brand apart, sets any person apart. So the moment that you kind of compromise that is when I think you you kind of start to step away from your purpose. And also, I'm just also kind of like Instagram, just now they own my whole soul. Like, they Bruh. really do. They really do. Bruh, like everything. Like, honestly, I made I made a very conscious decision recently. Like, you know, like, of course, they want you to use the tools. They want you to use IGTV. They want you to use like all these things. But I come from a media background, right? And there is like power in owning your content, right? Like right. fully owning it. And as soon as you give your content up like a video or something like that to a platform like Instagram, you don't own it anymore. Right. You don't. But like, so where do people own their own content on their personal websites? Yeah, definitely. I would say there's so much power in being able to have a video of an event, even like a webinar or something like that, and then being able to resell it to your audience versus putting it on your Instagram account where it lives for free and then <laughs> yep. people just can replay it and replay yeah. it and replay it, you know? Yeah, the consumption is just there for anyone, for the taking, for the taking, you're right. You're right. No, it's true. I know that you did that with your last, your power, um, power dynamics conversation, which everyone should definitely go and watch. And we will link all of that the, where you can find it and pay for it and support this black woman's journey. Um, but you, I remember you were saying you're like, I'm doing, I'm specifically not doing this as an IG live because this shit is too valuable. And the people like, the, the Karens who were tuning in. Out here, out here. Out the Karens were loving they, it. Yes, so they need to pay for it. They need to pay for that shit. Any other one, Karen that wants to see it, guess what? You can certainly see it, but not for free. Now nah, you gotta pay. <laughs> right? Pay me what you owe me. I feel like, honestly, that, like, Rihanna was ahead of her time in, say, in making that song because it has been the theme song to my life since for for the last week honestly i'm just in like people coming at me and i'm just like but what you paying what you paying? run me Maybe that check <laughs> run me that check but honestly like in full transparency like i spent 10 years of my life from the age of 22 i am now 32 working in an industry where i was not valued and i was not paid for my knowledge right 
like the amount of work and the amount of energy, all of that that I put out for all of that time was severely undervalued. So now that I am in a position to say what I'm worth, of course I'm going to say what I'm worth, you know? And if you don't value me, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that I have to do what you're asking either, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's just interesting. I was, when you are talking about like worthiness is I feel like for myself and I I think for other people, even when I really break down what I think I'm worth, I still don't think it's enough. Like I still feel like I'm, it's, it's measuring like my worth to like white people, but I just feel like to be, I just feel like we're, we exceed, be- we exceed it. We exceed their talents, their creativity, etc. So I'm just like, really, when we measure, when we measure our worthiness, it should, the, it should already be exponentially ahead of, of non-black people, honestly. And I know that might, that might not rub a few people the right way, but truthfully, I feel like black people, we have not known our worth for so long that we don't even understand like how infinite it is truly. I agree. But I would also, I think I would add to that the fact that because of all of the conditions of our oppression, right? We have to work that much harder to hone our skills. So of course we're going to be good because we're fucking putting in the work to be good. Yes, You know, like literally nothing is handed to us. We have to work our fucking asses off. So of course, at some point you put in enough effort and enough time, you're going to be good at whatever it is, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's like the 10,000 hours rule, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, goddamn, yeah, by the time that we get to the place that we should have been a long time ago, we've probably put in 100,000 hours because we've always had to overcompensate for the work that we've done. So you're right. That's a fact. That's Facts. a fact. Damn. You really? Yeah. I'm just like, okay, that <laughs> that is so true. And I didn't even think about that. Like we, and I mean, how do you feel about I mean, I guess you touched on like not being used as a resource, but it's kind of interesting. Like, I feel it's so evident. I mean, I enjoy that white people are tagging their black, you know, people they support in wellness and in other industries and saying, follow these people. But I also appreciate like I've seen it amongst like our black peers. And that to me has been more powerful because I'm like, this is what we should really be doing. Because when I think about other people that I've seen gain notoriety, it's because they have this little pod of like other white people kind of doing the same thing, but they just bounce off of each other like ping pong. Like, I got you. You got me. I follow you. Back and forth. Back and forth. Exactly. It goes back and forth. And I'm just like, yo, like we need like I I was like, no, I'm making a commitment going forward. Like I'm going to magnify all of my black creator friends and entrepreneur friends, because if we don't do it, like who's going to do it, who's going to do it. And honestly, this trend of white people and white brands doing it, that shit is not going to last. We all know how this works. It's it's trendy right now to be pro black and support these businesses. But in two weeks, I just, I don't know. It's going to slow the fuck down. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell oh, you definitely, that. So, definitely. You know? Yeah. So I'm just like, if it got to be me and you and two of our other people, we're like, y'all, this is our, these are our goals. What are we trying to reach? Who knows who? Like, I'm just like, we got to get on these, this grass roots fucking movement. If I got to send her on a spreadsheet, something. Listen, listen. More so, like, moreover, I would say, like, I feel like it is to our benefit as black and like non-black people of color to really support. And I don't mean just like I think supporting on social media, reposting, tagging, all of that I think is really, really valuable. But I feel like what is really showing up for me is that we also need to have our spreadsheets of people when someone comes to us for something and is like, oh, who can you like recommend or whatever, right? Like they're all doing it. They're all doing it. How do you think those influencers build up? Like they're all recommending people in their circles. And that's also why they're, they lack diversity, right? Because if you only have white people in your crew, like you're only going to recommend white people, right? So I think that there is a lot of power in that as well. If we are 
sharing opportunities with one another. Exactly. I agree. I think they're only going to recommend white people and they're only going to recommend palatable black people, which you and I are gorgeous, dark skin, African women. And for a lot of people that ain't palatable. So it's like if they got to have one black person, one non-black person of color, it's certainly going to be one that we've all seen. We all know what she looks like. We seen it and it ain't us. It looks like it looks like they could be white. It looks like they have a certain type of curly hair and it looks like they have a proximity to whiteness is what it looks like. That's what it looks. I you know, I didn't even I was like I'm not even going to describe it because we all know it, okay? It's we ingrained know it. in our heads. We all know this woman, this person, this man, whatever that we talking about, the palatable black person. And that is not... Rep- so it's like, if you're not that, or if you're not white, it's just like, it's so slim. There's so, It's for you to just slide up into these companies, corporations, to even get onto the mailing list, to get on into the conversation is nearly impossible if you don't fit into that to that box it's so wild but i think back to the point of like loving yourself for you know accepting yourself and not accepting white validation um is also i think something that has been a turning point for me is that I am always myself, right? I am not going to play into whatever stereotype of a black woman you think I should be, even if I'm working for your brand or brand as in like internally and also externally with an opportunity presented to me. Like, I'm still going to talk about race. Like, I'm going to keep a buck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to shrink down being black in any way just so you feel like I can connect with your audience more oh absolutely it's it's absolutely it's like it's that same you know thing that I don't know if you ever experienced this growing up but I would always kind of get oh you know she's black but she's not black black and I was just like okay well (laughs) what does that mean exactly and I think a lot of it was like showing that the if you were black black you would like you said you would be buck you would show up in this way you'd be aggressive you'd be this kind of like mammy stereotype the undesirable black woman and it's like if that is me oh <laughs> i mean if that is who i choose to show up as that's me and if if another day i choose to show up and be like here are my degrees and let me teach you about this that's also me i mean i think again it's so interesting context right because for me like the my parents definitely made like a distinction between black American culture and African culture. So that was also something that I had to grapple with. Like I remember, I don't know, maybe I was in like middle school or something like that and having these FUBU. And if you don't know, FUBU is forest bias, like booty shorts that I was like fucking obsessed with. Um, and like, <laughs> I love, I love this. <laughs> and wearing like, I don't know, like I got, I remember getting in trouble for wearing like a bandana around my knee or something like that. Like wanting to like be a thug, like just like all this shit, just like wild, just because I wanted to fit into black American culture. Um, so I've also had to do a lot of work around that in myself to, really just, yeah, be comfortable and acknowledge that I am a product of Zimbabwean culture and I'm also a product of American culture. And that has been, it's been hard, right? To just like show up and be like, okay, like, yes, I am a nerd and I love to read books and I love to learn shit. Um, Not saying that black American people don't love that, but it's not necessarily like a celebrated part of that culture, right? Whereas like, I also love fucking rap music and just, yeah, just being like loose with it, I guess, if that makes sense. So that has also been learning and unlearning that I've had to do. Yes. Yes to all of that. And you said previously about showing up as yourself. And I think that that applies 
to my life in a multitude of ways, definitely in the workspace. And that's a constant like battle for me is just showing it. You know what it is? Honestly, I think it's easier for me to show up in person, but on zoom, I just am literally like, God damn, I just, I got to look at, I just, it's, it's really honestly been pretty dramatic for me going on day 90, honestly, logging on to zoom every day. But I also found that I need to show up as myself in relationships and in the way that I love and in the way that I trust people and that I'm intimate with people and vulnerable with people. And I think a lot of us don't even realize that in order to be like vulnerable or intimate with someone, like you have to trust that person. And in order to trust that person, you have to you have to trust yourself. And I think that's that's part of it. Know that you're deserving of intimacy and vulnerability and all of those things. So I find that I've noticed when I'm dating someone, um, I'm like really just not myself with them. And I'm wondering like, where does that come from? Is it coming from like a lack of self-worth of like, I don't, I feeling like I don't deserve this relationship or I don't deserve this affection because often then I'll leave and I'm like, ah, damn, like, why weren't you like your normal, funny, awkward, quirky, like sexy self? You're just kind of like shy and like not really like, you know what I'm, do you know what I I'm think, talking about? Yeah, I, I think I definitely know what you're talking about. And I think it's part of that like learning and unlearning, right? Because at least for me, like when I was often occupying spaces where I didn't feel like I could be myself or I didn't feel like I had a voice and I was really being suppressed. Like, of course, that was like spilling over into my romantic relationships. But now, girl, like I feel so confident. Like I've had a lot of motherfuckers coming out of the woodworks (laughs) because of this COVID situation trying to get trying to get that cookie and I'm like actually no like actually I I don't even have time to entertain you because I value myself so much that I don't want to put in the emotional labor that I did even like a year ago I don't have time for that like I truly I don't even have the time like you are a great person I trust that you will find someone for you, but that person is not me, okay? It ain't me. It ain't me. It's seriously, like, I've had a lot of people, yeah, I have, I've definitely had a lot of people come out of the woodworks all of a sudden now want to FaceTime me when I'm like, you never done FaceTime me ever before in the last year we've known each other, but now during quarantine, we gotta, we gotta FaceTime. I'm just like, okay, interesting, but I also have I mean there's so many layers to this I have people who I do know who are in relationships during quarantine and they're like yo I'm just trying to masturbate I'm not trying to have sex and I have other people are like there are just so many layers of there's another person that was like I have sifted through all the bullshit now like being alone this long any nigga that comes at me I'm just like like dodging them right oh my god Right. No, because that's the thing. It's like, I don't I don't want someone that doesn't know what they want or if they even want me and like haven't done the work like I don't want that shit. Like if you haven't also spent the time and I'm not necessarily it doesn't even need to be like in this quarantine period. I just mean like in general, like if you are a 30 something year old man or even I don't know, even if I were to date like a 40 something year old man and you don't really like know yourself like that, we don't have time. We don't don't have have time. time. We don't have time. And I think that's what you were saying is like, okay, like as black people, we're not all afforded the luxury of having access to mental health care, but you still have to be doing some kind of work on yourself because we already we already got to deal with the ancestral trauma. I just even the other day, my mom, she said something to me and I was I think I had said, like, I, I really want to live in Senegal. And she you know, her response was like, well, they don't have Internet there. And I was like, the fuck? I was like, what are you ta- like? What kind of response is that? I was wow. like, I'm really out here yeah, I was like, wait, mom, what? I like I just I honestly was so baffled by the comment. And I was just like and I was so excited to just be like, you know, with COVID, like there are more opportunities to work 
remotely and so i was like so i want to take this opportunity to finally like spend more time in senegal and then you know she said that comment i was just like sis i got to go i gotta go bye because i can't let you rain on my parade but then the next day she texts me and she was like hey i'm so sorry i wasn't more supportive yesterday my response came out of my own fear and i just like in that moment i almost wanted to cry because i was just like damn here's my mom like a 68 year old black woman has you know, grew up her entire life in America and like her, her mom is from the South. So it's just like, there's just so much fucking shit that's going on. But for her to have the, the, the knowing to say like, Hey, this came from fear. Like, of course I support you. Of course your dad would be really happy if you went to Senegal. It was a really special moment because I'm like, not everyone can look at themselves from the outside and say like, Hey, this is why I make the decisions that I do or the, the way that I react to, to life's circumstances that's so beautiful and i feel like similarly like also having conversations like that with my mom right it's like uh, my mom is what she not to put her on blast she's like early 50s but Mm -hmm. like also having those conversations about what I want versus what she wants for me, right? And for me, like, my dream is not to keep working for a white person who doesn't value me in a corporate office. That is not my dream, right? A word. A word. So for me to, like, want to forge my own path and, yeah, as difficult as that may be, like, my mom just doesn't get that. She, like wants the security of a job, knowing she has a paycheck every two weeks. And on the one hand, like, I get it and I respect it. Like, she and my dad came to this country with nothing. It wasn't like someone paid for them to come here. They had to figure it out when they got here. So on the one hand, I deeply respect that and I love her for that. But on the other hand, I'm like, I'm not you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Like, it's just the, it's just coming out of a fear of, it's just like, I, I don't even know that they understand like the capacity that they can think bigger. And like, I don't know, it just seems like my mom and I are just at a place where we we're like, we tell each other about our lives, but it's really hard to like interject opinion because we're just like living in two, like, it feels like we're in two different <laughs> universes. And, like, Amen, girls. Amen. You know, and I'm just like, and it's just interesting because I just even thinking about your mom's age compared to my mom's age, it's just like, think about even that, that gap between like our mothers and how they taught us in like in a different period. Because even if it's like 15 years, like that's a significant difference in teachings, you know? Um, But yeah, that's what I feel like at this point I had to let go that I was like, my mom is my rock a thousand percent, but like you said, it's just, we don't have to live, we don't have to follow the same paths to to happiness or to success because they are not parallel. And I think the more that I realize that, just the better, like, we can coexist and support each other. No, I agree. It's, I think it's super important. Um, Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, it's just, it's also, like, now that we're, like, bringing it up and, like, unpacking those dynamics of, like, mother, daughter, um, it's hard, y'all. Like, it just, I love my mom so much, but, like, in so many ways, I just feel like she just doesn't get me, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, it's exactly, it's like, they don't. And it and honestly, the roles have re- reversed of like, I think I now am like caring and worrying about her <laughs> more than she's really like, I'll get onto phone calls with her and an hour will go by and she never she was never like, how are you? She's just like, yeah. And then this happened to me and then blah, blah, blah. And so and so. And I'm just like listening. I'm like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, OK, well, just unload on me. <laughs> unload. Do- <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's never it's not so much of like, how are my kids doing anymore? It's just like, listen, sis, we both grown and adults like I, you know, I got to I got to talk this out. But I also feel like, hey, mom, like there's this thing called therapy and that could be really, really helpful for you so that I don't have to (laughs) be your therapist. But I love you. 
it's it's so funny. Like you and I are LOL. It's like we're on the complete opposite of the spectrum. So like I am a recovering not talking about your feelings person. Like straight up. Like what? I really yeah like i used to like i so in like our family dynamics like i was always closer to my dad and so i modeled his actions essentially kind of in terms of how he didn't really talk about his feelings for a long time like i was just like you don't cry like that shows weakness if you cry and then my parents got divorced um or initiated the process of divorce, like, my the end of my senior year of college. And at that point, I was just like, oh, shit, like, fuck, I have, like, all of these feelings. Like, I don't know what to do with them. Shit, like, what is going on? Like, I need to talk about them. I need to process them. But in all honesty, I, that was what, I was, like, 21 or 22. It didn't take me, it took me until I was probably fucking what 26 before I was like okay I can read all of the self-help books and I can do all of the self-reflection but like bitch you need to talk to a professional like it got (laughs) to the point where I was so I, I don't think strung out is the right word but like I just noticed that I had a problem with people in my life who had like really good romantic relationships and it made me like very angry and I was like why do I have a problem with the people in my life having like good romantic relationships oh that's right I never dealt with the fact that my parents got divorced Mm. and then it kind of like unleashed this like crazy kind of spiral so now I've definitely grown in my emotion and emotional intelligence like tenfold I've grown but I will say like now with COVID like you know everyone has their different coping mechanisms and something that has come up with my mom and I recently is like her wanting to get on the phone I think similarly to your mom and just like talk things out and sometimes like I don't want to talk like especially like if I'm sad or whatever like I don't necessarily need to talk ad nauseum about being sad like I just want to be sad yeah exactly I know it's like I when I'm sad I honestly I mean I can definitely there are probably a couple people that I want to just like commiserate with for like a few seconds and then after that I'm like I just need to be left alone like I don't want to talk about it like just give me a moment like usually I'll be better in some time but um to your point like about the self-help books and realizing like okay I need to actually go and speak with someone it's like I feel like a lot of times we think that we can help ourselves and to a certain extent I think we can but like we really only learn and and pick up and absorb the information that we feel that serves us but it doesn't encompass like the other elements of the root of like the problem that is maybe supported by other things that you don't feel inspired to learn about so it's like yeah if you're pinpointing okay like if you're saying I have a problem with relationships but if you're just pinpointing like okay divorced parents like that is definitely going to lend itself to like some part of it but like does it also go back to like your mom's history with her mother or like your father or why they were the way that they were in that relationship? Why it ended? So I feel like to your point, like we can start the work, but it is really helpful to have an expert, someone who doesn't know us and who is unbiased to like tap in and be like, all right, sis, but what you're not seeing is X, Y, Z. 100%. And I think that's also why like as I create, um, this program, the check-in for high school students, like I also feel that it's very important to have therapy as a component to this program because, yeah, I can't, you know, I, I guess I should preface this by saying like trigger warning, but when I was 13 and I told my parents that I wanted to commit suicide and they like, didn't even know what to do with that, right? And I feel like if I had had the opportunity at that point to see a therapist, that it would have been awesome. And I, if I can provide that opportunity for a young person that needs it, then that feels really good to me. 
No, I love this. And you, we are so, uh, you're reading my mind because I was just about to cue into the check-in and you already gave, you know, a small explanation here, but I also want to give you the opportunity to just like if, what resources do you need? Like what help do you need? Because who knows who is listening to this? Maybe someone can reach out to you, but I just wanted to give you that chance if you feel so inclined, just be like, listen, I need this person, this person, this person, and maybe you know, the connection will happen. I mean, the biggest you like, I need money. I need money. money. <laughs> Run me the money. That Because that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to make anyone pay, especially for a therapist. Like, I just think that that is a tool um, in our communities that people need and so often don't have access to getting. So I don't want to charge people, right? So it's like the only way for me to do that and also live my life, right, and not be struggling is to get people to support me financially. So that is a really, really huge thing. And like to double back on that um, is the kind of the laptop element of things. It's like I 100% need financial resources in order to provide kids with laptops. Right. That is, that's real. It's like the money, we need it. We we need that sort of, um, and that's, it's so true. Like when people are saying, put your money where your mouth, where your mouth is. And I think that's really telling of what a lot of people are, are pointing out on social media is like, are these brands going to deliver and come through in the ways that they can? So if they do, sis, I really feel like your coins are going to be at your doorstep very soon. <laughs> Run me that money. Exactly, exactly. And I do want to thank you for sharing that moment that you just shared about when you were 13 that I appreciate your vulnerability and and talking about that because it's it's really important. And I grew up with my brother having mental health issues and they just were never addressed and having an African father and just like being very submissive and not really dealing with it. And just I, I was talking to someone else about this too was like, I feel like in a lot of African families or black families or non-white families, like secrets are, whoo, secrets. Woo! Secrets, (laughs) girl. The secrets is huge. Oh my God. I could write a book on like secrets alone. Yes. It's just like, they're there. They're never addressed. And then when we're looking back as like 31, 32 year old people, grown adults, we're just like, well, damn, like. I still don't know this. I don't know that. I can't ask my mom about this. She always skirts around this topic or, you know, and I'm just like, I don't know that that dynamic exists in non-black families. And I'm curious to really know because I feel like it doesn't. And I feel like it fosters just a more like openness and emotional like capability when you can actually just like talk about things. But black people always trying to save face, trying to be the Joneses trying to appear. Listen, as a- <laughs> listen, the secrets, girl, the secrets. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, it's wild out here with the secrets, but it's interesting to you because my mom did say she's like, um, part of her, like trying to get me to talk to her more, I think, um, is she was like, oh, you know, like there are a lot of things that you don't know about me. There's stuff that you don't know about your grandparents. Like I would love to like bond with you more. And I think for me, the challenging part, just because, you know, we're all going through so much and we're all also stimulated and not stimulated in a lot of ways, if that makes sense, that I just feel like bonding with my mom on a phone call is just not going to do it for me. Like, that is an interaction that I would rather have face-to-face, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It does. It makes... And I think part of it, too, is, like, I'm fearful of those secrets, to be honest, too. Now I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, do you feel me? Like, now I'm just like, damn, I've gone this long without knowing. Do I? What is there? Exactly. What is it that you didn't tell me this time? What? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like, I'm just like, I don't think I'm really ready to know about you that well. And then I feel like it's going to. Ooh, it's going to bring to light just so much about myself. And I'm just like, am I ready for that? But I think 
I think we, we have to be kind of, and I think, you know, you and I being single and like in our preparation for our partner, whatever he comes, but God knows our heart. So it's going to be soon. I know. Um, (laughs) Prayers, prayers, putting the prayers up out here. If you're out here, I'm single y'all. I'm single. Hello. Exactly. It's just like, I feel like in preparation for that, I probably got to know some of these secrets. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's like, it's, it goes back to that like emotional capacity as well, right? Cause it's like, okay, we also have to be like mentally prepared. Like shit could be really fucked up. I mean, shit could be also great. Um, and just stuff that we should know about our histories, but it could also be more trauma. So there's also that part. Great. Great. Just what I need in 2020 is more fucking trauma. <laughs> Yo, damn. it's it's so wild how we're all like, yes, 2020 is going to be the year. And like, again, you know, because we're in this weird moment of having our voices highlighted finally as like black women, black people, black creators and artists, which is phenomenal and way overdue. But at the same time, like, yo, I there were so many plans that are now not possible, you know? No doubt. And it's interesting, too, because 2020 is like perfect vision. So I think everyone was going into this year being like 2019 was trash. 2020, perfect vision. This is my year. Like everyone said they had so many plans. This was the year. And it's just like I still in in as disheartening as this year has been and devastating I honestly still feel like it is a year of fucking 2020 vision because now we are woke the fuck up. We've seen what we're doing and I just, I'm not tolerating any of the bullshit. No, no, I'm done. So I may not be have perfect vision in terms of my monies or my, or other things that we all thought, but I know that I have vision in terms of who I fuck with, who I don't fuck with and where I'm, where I'm going and how I'm going to get there. 100 like I agree I would say that part is like very very clear for me as well it's just a matter of now like reconfiguring how I get there when I have to be in the house you know (laughs) this is a word (laughs) (laughs) I feel that I feel that um well, I mean, this has been so incredible. I don't know if there's anything else that you would like to share about Naya, about the check-in. I know you have an incredible event going on tomorrow, June 4th. Do you want to speak a little bit about that and where the good folks can find you on the internet and anything else? Yes. Um, so the conversation tomorrow is going to be around our Asian fam and we're going to be discussing how COVID-19 has really exacerbated xenophobia and racism within that community. People are experiencing a lot of hate crimes and it is appalling to say the least, but at the same time, the hate and the racism that drives people to commit crimes against Asian folks because they think that they are the originators of the coronavirus are is the same hate that leads what is her what I can't even think of I like mentally blocked her name out Amy Cooper that's it that's that Karen um to call the police on a black man who was watching a bird in Central Park so we're gonna get into it about how all of those things are intertwined and I am lucky to be joined by Cassandra Lamb, who is the co-founder of Join the Cosmos, which is a community for Asian Women X. And then I am also joined by Kiona, who is a educator and the creator of How Not to Travel Like a Basic Bitch, which educates folks on how to just not be a shitty person when you travel to another country, um, (laughs) which is amazing. And then in terms of the internet streets, you can find me on Instagram at N-A-A-Y-A dot W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. And then you can find my personal Instagram at S-I-N-I-K-I-W-E dot S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E. 
And you can run me that money at... Yes, I was going to say, and the Venmo be... <laughs> and the PayPal is Nio Wellness. You can PayPal me. It's in my link and my personal bio and also the link on the Nia Instagram page. Sis, I woke up this morning to $200 in my Venmo and I just was like, well, yes, okay. <laughs> yes, I was like, well, good morning. Thank you, universe. And, you know, non Karens, allegedly, but we will thank you. I appreciate you. Bless up. Bless up. <laughs> Bless up. Well, thank you so much, sis, for joining this conversation. It was so beautiful, and I'm glad. I feel like we, like, kiki like this all the time. So it was only necessary at this time that we do it officially. So I want to thank you so much. And to everyone listening, I hope that you're staying strong, that you're staying up, and you're doing whatever you need to do in this time to feel good because you deserve and if, whether you're protesting or organizing or creating all of that is totally valid and we support you we love you we got you we uplift you thanks for tuning in proho podcast drops every wednesday like us subscribe all of that good shit and we will catch you next time bye bye thank you penda i love you love you too